Hi everyone, Wynn Claybaugh here. This next interview features my good friend and business partner, Dale Jones. Dale is a husband, father, pastor, owner of Palm Mitchell Schools, and so much more. Dale truly lives and exemplifies his powerful message of leadership from the heart. Although we recorded this Master's Classic in 2009, this message is just as important today as it was then. Please join me as Dale delivers a passionate glimpse into the power, the beauty industry, and the responsibility of leading people with compassion and love. If this podcast empowers you and gives you hope, please share it with your friends and visit masterspodcastclub.com to sign up for our mailing list. Now, please enjoy my good friend, Dale Jones. Hi, everybody. This is Wynn Claybaugh. Uh, welcome to this wonderful issue of Masters. And I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those Masters CDs that you are going to want to pass around. Although our audience is primarily people within the beauty industry, I know that this is going to be one of those topics that will be very, very valuable for everybody in your family. I have a feeling that you're going to want to uh, have your spouse, your, your partner listen to this CD. Uh, you're going to want to have the teachers of your children in grade school and high school counselors listen to this CD. It's going to be something that's going to be very valuable for a lot of us. And uh, I heard this man speak several months ago, and I was just so impressed with the message that he had. And I, I said to him, we have to capture this. We have to capture that incredible message on this wonderful Masters issue. And so I'm sitting here with Dale Jones. Dale, welcome to Masters. Thank you, Ann. And I really appreciate you choosing me today. And I'm really humbled um, by your choice of me. Thank you. I have a feeling that you kind of live most of your life from that, that place of humility. Uh, even though I know you make a ton of money. I know that you're a very successful man in many aspects of life, both financially and in business with your beautiful wife and your, your kids and and yet you do come from a place of humility. Well, you know, when you think about where I came from, it's easy for me to consider my background and to remain humble through all the significant accomplishments in my life. Mm. It's important to me because um, there's a lot of people out there that are not as fortunate as we are. And I think, you know, when you think about power and wealth and all of those things, Humility plus power is meekness, and so I strive to live my life in a meek way. And so you know, I want that to be a part of me. Good for you. Uh, just to give our listeners a little bit of information on who Dale is, uh, first of all, you're the senior pastor for uh, a ministry that you have. Yes. Correct? Yes, Perfect in Faith Ministries in Antioch, Tennessee. Okay, but you're also quite the successful businessman, too. So uh, somehow you managed to, to find a balance uh, with all of that. You've been everything from general manager, uh, CEO of, of different companies and organizations, including GE Clinical Services. What kind of volume were you uh, managing? What kind of dollars were you managing in that position? Well, there we were managing about a quarter million dollars worldwide in that position. Prior to that, I worked as the general manager of sourcing. And there we manage about $3 billion of purchases across the world. And so a very exciting role, but again, I am so humbled by the opportunities that life has given me. Well, you were involved in many different Fortune 500 companies and 
my recollection is that these companies would transfer you from one location to the next and your wife and two kids kind of followed you from place to place and they kind of put their foot down? Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, we moved about 13 times in 15 years. All these poor kids. Yes, and uh, when we moved to Tennessee, my wife decided that that was it. And so I I agreed, and uh, so we're there in Nashville, Tennessee now. And so, I mean, stepping away from such high, powerful positions in these Fortune 500 companies, you decided to enter the beauty industry. So you're a school owner now. Right. As a matter of fact, I own two schools, one in Nashville and one in Louisville, and we're about to open another one in Murfreesboro. But you're not a hairdresser. No, I'm never not. never been a hairdresser. I've never been a hairdresser. Barely have any hair yourself. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm, I'm losing them by the minute, yeah, okay. right? <laughs> So how long have you been in the beauty industry? Well, I've been in the industry now for about three years. Okay. I was introduced to the industry by my wife's hairdresser, Susan Wagoner. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wanted to talk with us about you know, doing a school there in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had no interest at first, but after you know, we spent some time with the school system itself to talk about what the school was all about, we were really intrigued by how forward-focused, positive, and uplifting the school system really was, particularly the school system we're part of. Well, you know, we have a theme for this master's issue. Uh, Again, hearing you speak, and I said that I wanted to capture your message, the whole idea of creating magic, especially now in in the way that things are in the economy right now, people have a choice of where they spend their money. Absolutely. Of course, people make a decision with their head, Mm -hmm. meaning is this a good price? Right. Um, Is this... Uh, you know, cost effective? Mm-hmm. Is this good quality? So mm-hmm. they make a decision with their head. Mm-hmm. I also believe that people make a decision with their gut. Yes. Meaning, do I like you? Do I mm-hmm. trust you? Yes. Do I feel good when I spend time here? And right. when it comes to staff, and I don't believe that staff members just come work for a company, they join right. a company. Right. I don't believe that customers just spend money in a company, they join a company. And people want something to belong to. Mm-hmm. That makes them feel good about themselves. And so the, the whole idea of creating magic, it's everybody's responsibility, not just the boss. It's right. everybody's responsibility to create a place where coming to work every day, either as a, a staff member mm-hmm. or coming to a salon or to any kind of a business as a customer, as a guest, mm-hmm. makes me feel good about myself. Absolutely. You know, every time we have a student to walk through our building, a potential student, um, they will always tell us once they have joined that their initial feeling when they came to our school was one that it was they felt loved, they felt accepted, it was uh, very upbeat. Again, and you talked about making a decision based on your gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Again, when people walk through the door, we want to make sure that what we create, and it's not something that we create when they walk through the door, it's something that exists in our facility, in our building, and it really exists in the heart of our people. Right. That's really where it is. And that's not by accident. No. That is a lot of work. Yes. In fact, uh, in the time that we're going to have with each other today, you've kind of outlined this this plan right. on how you uh, create magic. But before we get into that, could you kind of give our listeners a little bit of information, you know, briefly about your background? Because you're from uh, Kingston, Jamaica, correct? Right. Yes. So tell me about your growing up. You had four brothers, two sisters. Tell me about the yeah, family we, life. We, we grew up in very humble beginnings, as I said before. My parent... Uh, Father was a minister, but he also worked out outside of the home. And my mother, uh, she was a housemaker, if you will. And we grew up in Jamaica, West Indies, very poor. But my father had a notion, an idea that if we got, got to the United States, somehow our lives would be better. 
And so we moved here in 1976, mm-hmm. and we moved in a very small town called Whiteville, North Carolina. I was put back a grade because uh, they didn't think I was very smart. And so rather than going to the seventh grade, I repeated the sixth grade here when I came to the United States. But I had to overcome several issues. I had to overcome um, a speech impediment. I do stutter even today. (laughs) You can't tell because I I have to think through my words before I say them. Um, And it's something that I had to learn over time. I also had to overcome my accent. And I still have a very heavy Jamaican accent, again, having to overcome that to be accepted in the school system that I was at at the time. Speak to us in that Jamaican accent. You want me to talk to you in Jamaica, man? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so but but, uh, for me, it was overcoming all of those things because I wanted to be successful. And what I find is that when you really set your heart on something and you really want to be successful, then you really put aside all the excuses because excuses sometimes enable bad behavior or enable handicaps in your life. And so when I discover handicaps in my life, while I understand that other people deal with those issues, I try to figure out a way to overcome them. And when I overcome them, then my job is to help others that have the same kind of impediments or handicap in their lives to tell them that they can overcome that as well. How much of your career has been based on on that and being able to empower people and bring the best out of people and to to coach and encourage and inspire? And were you able to do that in your other jobs in big corporate America? To a certain degree. I I mentored quite a few um, individuals and executives while I was there. But uh, what I find in the role that I'm in now, certainly as a pastor and then certainly as a school owner, uh, my ability to affect people's lives is even more more tremendous mm-hmm. um, because people come to our school with all kinds of issues, all kind of background, drug issues, different kind of issues, um, ADD, you know, the school systems will often label them as not being brilliant enough or not smart enough. What I find is that, that the school system do not have the ability to really educate creative people. And so they're quickly labeled. And when you label somebody, they will always, for the most part, act the way you label them. Of right. And so what we try to do when they come to our school is to remove the label remove the put-downs, remove all of those things that was impeding their ability to shine. Everybody's got greatness on the inside of them. Everyone has potential. Our job is to bring out what's good and what's best in people. And so that's what we do every day. Some of my favorite educators are those who, they walk into the learning situation assuming or believing that their students, their learners, are already brilliant. Right. And, and it's their job as a facilitator to bring the brilliance, to bring the knowledge out of that person. Right. Which is such a, a nicer way, whether you're teaching or you're leading. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, how many leaders or teachers have the attitude that they're students, that their people are stupid or that they're idiots or that they're lazy or that right. they're, you know, those labels that you put on people. Right. And, and of course, that's exactly how they will then react and respond. And that's what you put up with. Absolutely. When you call someone a name, you you tend to get that. You know, I tend to call out what's right in people, call out what's the potential that's in people, what's the great nugget that's in them. All of us, God has placed 
greatness in every single one of us. And our job as leaders and as uh, whether we're executives or school teachers or principal or pastors is to make sure that we're really zeroing on what's good in people and bringing that out. Of course, people are going to fail and they're going to do other things in their lives. But listen, people should not be defined by their failings. right? They ought to be defined by their purpose and by what's great on the inside of them. And when you define them that way, then they'll start living up to that expectation. Well, if it's those failures you're talking about, sometimes it's those failures that make people more interesting. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you go around a room, everybody has a story to tell. Right. And it's those stories that got people to where they are today. It's a story Mm -hmm. of abuse or neglect or Mm -hmm. addiction or an eating disorder or something. Right. And those stories make us interesting and give us uh, insight into that other people Mm -hmm. suffer too. Mm -hmm. Other people go through that stuff too. And uh, it makes us... Interesting question for you. So so as a pastor, Mm -hmm. obviously you have a ministry and people come to you with their challenge in their situations. Do you find that more people at church have those issues than at your school or is it pretty much... Pretty much the same. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much the same. You you know, and one of the fallacies is that folks that go to church are perfect. Uh, Actually, what I discover is that uh, the church is the place where people that are imperfect go. That's really the place where they ought to go. It's like like having a hospital for for only healthy people. You know, hospitals are for sick people. Absolutely. Right. You know, and if so, if all healthy people show up at a hospital, then we'll think that that is crazy, right? And so it's the same thing with church. I I think um, we get disillusioned when when you put labels like church or religion on any situation that that people then become somewhat self righteous. Mm -hmm. But if we all will admit. We all have got different issues in our lives and different struggles that we face with every single day, and it's what makes us human. I think people would love to be able to be in a position where they can make a difference in the lives of other people. Right. And they're thinking, well, that's easy for Dale. He's a pastor. Mm-hmm. He's a minister, so he gets to stand up there and mm-hmm. deliver a, a message, and that makes a difference in people's mm-hmm. lives. One of my mentors, uh, Marianne Williamson, you should tell her audience, you know, you want a ministry? Mm-hmm. Look at your Rolodex. Right. You look at your right. circle of friends. Right. I mean, that's your ministry. Right, exactly. You make, are you making a difference in the lives of your siblings? Are right. you making a difference? Are you inspirational mm-hmm. to your friends, to your mm-hmm. neighbors, to your... I mean, that's that's your ministry right, right. there. You don't have to build a church to then make right. a difference. So, right. You know, I, I think sometimes uh, when we talk about religion and we talk about church, then judgmental kind of things come into play. But but really, God, religion, all of that is really about love. And at the end of the day, if someone isn't challenging your ability to love, right, then the question is, do you really love? What do you mean by that, challenging your ability to love? Right. There are times when you will meet people that are not quite lovable, (laughs) (laughs) right? And so they challenge your ability to love, you know, and love is really birthed out of in those situations when you're challenged to love and you love because it's the right thing to do. I'm so glad that you mentioned it that way. I think some people think that love is some fairy dust. Right. So it's sprinkled on you, meaning you have no control over it. Someday you'll get that that fairy dust sprinkled on you. Mm -hmm. And so today I just love my job. I just love my my staff. I just Mm -hmm. love my clients. But I didn't get the fairy dust the next day, so I, I don't like work today. Right. You know, like, like people show up, you know, I just, I, you know, if, if the boss looks at me the right mm-hmm. way, then mm-hmm. I'll love my job today right. as if it's that person's responsibility. Right. Love's a choice. Right. 
it is absolutely a choice. It's something that you've got to wake up every morning saying, you know what, I choose to love today. I choose to let go of the past at times. I choose to let go of the hurt and sometimes the pain in our lives, right? And I choose to love today. You know, I, I look back even at my life personally, and, you know, we, we had some very difficult growing up. And my father was a very harsh disciplinarian. And, you know, growing up, we didn't get to do a lot of the things other people got to do. And so, you know, it was difficult at times because, you know, when other kids were doing things and playing, we were inside and we were studying. But, well, that for us caused us as siblings to dislike our father. I won't use the word hate. I think that's a little strong. But we disliked dad because he was such a tough disciplinarian. But as I grew up and I began to understand why dad did what he did, Right, And sometimes we, we can always in our minds say, you know, I would have done that differently. And certainly I'm doing that with my children today. But it, had I continued to hold my dad hostage in my heart, mm-hmm. the things that I've accomplished today, I wouldn't accomplish them. Mm-hmm. Because hate is a poison. It's a debilitator. And so when you, you don't know how to release people by forgiving them, you know, for whatever reason, whatever thing they might have um, done in your life, when you can't forgive, then you're you're really holding yourself hostage, right? Because you start building walls around you. And the crazy thing about walls is that no one can come in that will hurt you, neither can those that will help you can come in either. And so we've got to be very careful with that. So what, what I find is that when I learn how to forgive and when I choose to love people, my life is so much better. You know, there's so much joy that comes in life when you choose to forgive, when you choose to love, when you choose and you make that choice every single day, even with those that are not lovable, even with those people, you know, and that's the challenge for you. And so you cut your teeth on love with those people. Got it. So this whole concept of creating magic, if you were to just define what create magic means, how would you define that? Well, you know, when you talk about creating magic, it's really uh, creating an atmosphere where people feel good about themselves. People feel like their contribution matter. People feel like they're valued. And when people feel like they're valued and their contribution matters to your organization, all of a sudden, uh, people will do more. Their productivity will go up. It will soar. It's the same thing with our students. When your students feel like they matter, like when they come to your school, that school care about who they are. Forget all the little labels and all of their lifestyle and this and that, but that who they are matters to you. You create an environment where people can blossom and just grow significantly. Mm. And so when I talk about creating a magical culture, it's really about creating an environment and a culture where people feel accepted and loved. Again, people want something to belong to. If we were acknowledging the changes that are happening in the economy today, I don't think that there's one business owner who can't afford to not bring out the best 100% of every single one of their staff members. Mm-hmm. Every team member needs to be at 100% productivity. Right. But that sometimes is a decision that the boss has to make as right. well. And I'm amazed that people, bosses, who all they're doing is engaging the hands of their staff mm-hmm. And they're not engaging their hearts. They're not engaging their minds and their souls. Right. Because they live by that old school mm-hmm. form of 
leading people, managing people, which right. is dictating, controlling, right. policing, manipulating. I'm mm-hmm. the boss, do it my way. Right. And I, I think you're a great example of this, that true leadership now is about serving people. It's not about dictating. It's not policing. Absolutely. It's about having a servant's heart. Right. And so creating magic is, that's kind of what you're talking about. Right. Creating activities, belief systems, systems. This is how we do business to bring out the best of our people. Right. And if you really think about it, when you engage people only with their hands, then you'll probably get about 30% of that individual. Productivity. Productivity Productivity-wise, right? And it's that way regardless if you're in the service industry, manufacturing industry, education business, regardless where you are. If you're engaged in their hands, you will get 30% of that individual. Wow. If you engage their minds, now you're at about 50% to 60% of that individual. When you engage their hearts, then they will literally climb mountains for you. When you engage their heart, when you inspire and motivate them, then they will go that extra mile without even requiring extra pay because it's something that they have fallen in love with. It's now become a passion. And when it's now a matter of the heart, then people will do things that they would not otherwise do when it's a matter of the heart. And so when bosses or executives are trying to engage their employee, what I say to them is engage their heart. Mm. Figure out what's important to them, engage them that way, and they will work magic for you. When you create magic for other folks, they will create magic for you and your organization. And you've really kind of spelled this out for us, but before we get into the how-to and swinging the pendulum that way, What are easy, daily, common mistakes that leaders are making? And by the way, my definition of leadership is if you have influence over somebody, then you're a leader. Meaning you don't have to be the boss. You don't have to have a a business license to be a leader. So if you're a brand new receptionist in a salon or, or just out of beauty school or whatever is the position that you have in the industry that you have, you have influence. Right. And what are you doing with your influence? You, you have influence over total strangers standing in line at the coffee shop. Right. You could ruin their day or mm-hmm. make their day. Right. Okay. Right. And you see, and that's the first concept that people really has to get about leadership. Leadership is never about power. Mm-hmm. Leadership is never about control. Leadership is really all about influencing people. And so when, when you have that significant responsibility of influencing people's lives, you really do have to take that seriously. And you do have to manage the emotional wake that you leave behind. What I mean by that is you've got to manage when you walk through the door, right, the, the emotional wake that you leave behind. So you, you can walk through that door one way and people are excited, or you can walk through another way and says, oh, my goodness, it's going to be a rough day today right. because my boss, the influencer, is here. Right. Right? So the question is, what message are you leaving when you walk through the door and walk by that person on your way to your office? Oh, when you, you talk about that wake, I had just had a very, very clear visual of that, right. you know, of a boat going across the water. And right. you look behind, there's a wake. Right. What's that wake? And, and some people have zero right. concept right. as to what they're creating. Right. They got the job done. They're all about the task. Mm-hmm. They finished everything on their to-do list. Mm-hmm. They got the job done, mm-hmm. but they left 10 people you know, Absolutely. in their emotional wake, right. hating their jobs, hating right. coming to work. Right. Got right. It. And, and then they take that home to their spouses. And, and they take it home with their spouse. And, yeah. Absolutely. And the next day, it's going to be a downer for them, right? Productivity is going to go down. And the boss had no idea that they created that. 
in that employee. And so just awareness. So, so the first thing that I notice with most boss or executive or leaders is that they have no awareness of the emotional wake that they leave behind every single day. And so when they're interacting with their people, um, how are you interacting? Sometimes it's just saying, hello, how are you doing today? So how would somebody get the awareness? Again, I, I think with awareness, people really do have to go out and seek, whether it's through books or through, you know, like the Master CD is a great way of, of understanding what other people are doing. Yeah, I think when when you look at mentors and go find those people that are really leading well and their people love them, find out what those individuals are doing mm-hmm. and then model what they're doing. You know, success is always repeatable, right? So find what others are doing and they're doing it well and repeat that. If the emotional wake that a person leaves is not a healthy one mm-hmm. how, how would they find that out would they ask people you know hey uh, oh, absolutely bosses who are jerks don't they know that they're jerks um i i think they do but i think to a certain degree because i've heard some boss says it i think to a certain degree they like it oh that's oh leave by fear yeah you know? I, yeah they fear me absolutely I, I really believe that some people they oh boy when i walk there they were all just nervous. And so, wow, you know, they were nervous. And somehow they feel that their power, right, is what's important to them when they don't understand that. We talked about meekness earlier, power under control, mm. that when you live your life in a meek way, then people really know that they can touch you. You know, they can be a part of your life. You know, they can somehow get to know you as a person, when you live your life in meekness. And people who live their life in meekness are those individuals that can do things that other folks just cannot get done through people. So you've kind of broken this down for us into three different areas for Create Magic. Purpose, promise, and power. Right. Let's talk about purpose. Well, again, when you really think about why do you want to create magic, you want to create magic so that you can bring out the best that's in individuals. Right? And so that's what you, why you want to create a magical culture. By bringing out the best in people, you'll bring out their productivity. You'll bring out what's right in them. And so creating magic is all about bringing out the best in individuals. Again, you know, we don't do put-downs and labels in our school because that doesn't bring out the best in people. And so our job is to make sure that people feel good about who they are. People learn better in an environment where it's fun and it's upbeat and it's forward focus. And so that's why we do it. And so that's our purpose for for bringing out the best in people. you have some stories to tell. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, many stories about folks who came in. And I remember we had one student who came to the school and she was really having a difficult time um, in her relationship. And I'll just leave it at that. And one particular day, I really could sense that probably the the night before was particularly difficult. And so rather than just sending her to class, get to class, make sure that you're on time, let's get to class, get to class, we send her to the spa, right? And and so so that she can feel good about herself and then brought her back to school. And that day was just a magical day for her, even though she had a very, very difficult night. And so, again, it's really making sure on an individual level 
that, that you're connecting with people and that people feel love, that people feel that you really do care about them. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. And I think I've heard you say that over and over again, and that is so true. People really don't care what you know until they know that you care. And when they know, when they can sense that, see, because people can sense that. People can sense that in a minute. You walk into a room, and people will know if you care about them, right? You know, I really never knew how to do it otherwise. Mm -hmm. I've had some wonderful mentors in my life who have taught me how to be, through their example and through books and lessons on how to be a good leader and Plus, my parents raised us that way. You know, I mean, we just didn't want to disappoint them. You know, I mean, my mom, one look from mom, that was, you, oh, you don't want to disappoint mom. Not out of fear. Right. You know, out of love. So for me, it, this was just kind of a, a natural way of how I did business. And I remember walking into one of my locations one day with a, a friend of mine. And he was commenting. It's like, wow, everybody comes up and hugs you. You know, but you're the boss. Like, that was just such this foreign... Mm -hmm concept for him that the boss is here and everybody wants to run up and hug me yay wins here i'm like what they don't do that to you at right. your place like so they fear you right it's funny i, I give you a great story i had a uh, competitor school owner to come to my school after i had visited uh, her school so i visited her school and, and as i was going through her school i noticed that the kids were running away from us, right? Or, 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 or when we when we we went into the classroom, it was almost like they were fearful, and it was just heads down, and let's get very serious. Um, then she came to my school, and when she walked through the door, everybody was hi, Mr. D. That's what they called me at Mr. school. D. Yes, hi, Mr. D. And you know, I got hugs, and we went into a classroom. They were waving and saying hello, and I noticed as she was looking as we were going through the tour that she was perplexed mm. as to what was going on. Mm. Uh, but again, it's a matter of creating that magical culture where people feel like they do matter and that what they bring to your organization, what they bring to your school, that's valued somehow. And when people feel that way, then they will in turn right, act that out every single day and they will show love. And so you've got to put in what you want to get out of people. And so if you want to get love out of them, then put it in them. If we're talking about the purpose of creating magic, even if it were just for profitability, that reason alone is a great reason for creating magic. But, I mean, we could add a hundred other reasons to that list. Absolutely. Uh, it's the right thing to do. Right. Law of attraction, what you're mm -hmm. putting out is what's coming back. Mm -hmm. If you're putting poison into people and creating an environment, I can guarantee you your home is probably like that way. Right, exactly. Your, your marriage is probably that way as well. When you walk down the street, your neighbors mm -hmm. uh, you know, have the same fear mm -hmm. of you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe that you can be one way at work and another way at home. Right. There's, there's bleed through and it right. overlaps and, and that's who you are. Absolutely. You know, and, and people always ask me the question, how do you balance church and work, and I tell them that I don't. Mm. I live my life one way. Right. Rather than trying to balance being one way at home, being another way at church, being another way at work, no, it's just one day. And so I would be incredibly schizophrenic <laughs> if, I, if I try to, to act one way at church and one way at school right. and one way at home. It's about being you know, that kind of person that people want to be around. And so it, that's important to me. And so whatever you want to get in your life, then give it, you know. And so and that's really what this is all about. So when we talk about the purpose of it, of course, productivity comes out of that and all of those wonderful things. But whatever you want to get back, then you give it, 
right? I'm a guy that loved to be loved, and so I need to give that, right? right? I, I'm a guy that loved to be accepted, so I give acceptance. Right. I'm a guy that loved to be valued, so I value other people. Right. And it's the law of reciprocity. Whatever you sow, you will reap it as well. So it's, we're creating magic for selfish reasons, right. selfish in a good way. Absolutely. Out of our own self-interest, right. you know, we need to uh, feel good about ourselves. Right. And so, you know, whatever you're not giving, that's what's lacking right. in exactly. any situation. That's exactly right. So talk to us then about the promise of creating magic, as you put it. Yeah, very important that in terms of creating magic, that the promise of our culture is really to create happy students happy future professional, as we call them at our school. Every time we have a brand new class to start up with us, myself and Kimberlyn, we always sit down and we'll ask those future professional, why did you choose our school? Well, one of the things that they always come back with is that we heard about the culture, right? Again, the culture is not just something that we do in school. Culture is something that we live out in our homes, in our community, every place we go. And so when we teach people about being nice and being forward-focused and and to to bring out what's good in people and to always affirm what's right in people, you you can do that wherever you are, right? And that works at home. Why wouldn't you use that at home? Why wouldn't you bring out the best that's in your, your children? Why wouldn't you bring out the best that's in your husband or your spouse? Why wouldn't you bring out the best that's in your parishioners and those people that are at work, right? It is absolutely the right thing to do. And so when you create a culture like ours, then it really does make people feel good about who they are. You know, our, our very good friend David Wagner, who uh, has day-making, and we love just the message. I think a lot, there's a lot of people out there that are kind of talking the same language, mm-hmm. you know, which I love. I had the chance to interview the, at the time she was the president of Southwest Airlines, Colleen Barrett, mm-hmm. and they started off their company that way. And so it was easy from day one when there was just two of them, hey, let's create a company where it's fun, mm-hmm. where our employees are having fun, our passengers on the airlines are having fun. And so when, the, when it's only two of them, and then they hired their first flight attendant or their first pilot or their first mechanic. I don't know what the order was, but, you know, they all got to live in that same culture as well. So what if a culture is toxic? It has none of this create magic stuff. People don't feel good about themselves walking through the door. And what if it's been that way for 20 years? How do you turn that around? Gosh, you know, I, what I find is that people, even though initially they might resist it because, you know, I've been this way all of my life. And what I find is that people want that. People want to feel love. People want to feel accepted. And so the moment that they feel that, they might not appreciate it at first, uh, but love breeds love, <laughs> right? And so you keep on doing it. You're patient with loving people, you know. And so you can't just start and then stop because they didn't respond to you favorably. <laughs> I'm picturing some business owner. Well, I held a barbecue for those idiots. You know, it right. didn't work. We're going to go back to the old way. Of- exactly. Right. right. You know, you've got to be patient with that. I tried to show my love. Right. You know, and it didn't work. <laughs> right. I, I wonder why. Right? right. But 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 it really is about being consistent. And the couple of things that I do when we talk about creating magic, the first thing that I do is to give the gift of my presence. Very, very important that when I show up, that it's important that the folks know that I'm there and they can feel my presence there. 
right? I'm not just running to my office. Why, why do you feel like it's important that they know that you're there? Because, again, if you are the influencer, remember, we talk about leadership being the guy who influences it. If you're the influencer, they need to know that their influencer there to help them through whatever they're dealing with. And they just might want to talk. Can't you just show up and sneak in the back door and they just don't know that you're there? And so your influence is just neutral. It just is non-existent. Does that work? Well, you know, I give you a great example. This really did it for me. Uh, When my daughter was five years old, she had her first daughter and father dance. And so I was invited to that. And at the same time, I was supposed to be in Japan. And, And so Whitney is five years old. Her mother is telling her that dad cannot make it because he's in Japan. And so I flew out to Japan. But while I was there, I was thinking about what my daughter was feeling. What would my daughter look like if she's there but everybody else's dad and her dad wasn't there? He wasn't present in the moment with her. And so I was one day into a 15-day journey there in Japan. And I called my boss and I told him, I need to go home. Called my wife, told my wife, I'm coming home. And I don't know how I'm going to make it because the dance is the next day and it's a 24-hour flight. And so I board the first plane that I could get on. I flew back to the United States, got to LaGuardia. We lived at the time in Hartford, Connecticut. Mm. Got there at 5 o'clock. The dance is at 6. Of course, I couldn't take a connecting flight. Mm. So I had to hire a driver to drive me to Hartford, Connecticut. Now, when I got there, it was now 6 o'clock. But I had flown for 24 hours. I needed to take a bath. I certainly didn't want to show up not taking a bath. So I, I went in, took a bath. Got there at 6.20. And when I got through the door... I always get choked up when I talk about this. Her friends tapped her on the shoulder to point out that I was there. And when Whitney turned around and she looked at me, um, she just got incredibly emotional and began to sob and weep. And I ran up to her, took her in my arms, and said, Daddy is here. And she just kept on saying, thank you, thank you, and just continued to weep uncontrollably. I gave my daughter the gift of my presence. When, yes, the business trip was very important, for her, knowing that daddy was there was huge. That day, I understood what giving somebody the gift of your presence is all about. Who you are and you do matter to people. And if you're a boss, if you're a teacher, if you're a principal, if you're a pastor, you do matter to people because you're a leader. And your presence with them, not to judge, but just to be there with them is huge for them. And my daughter taught me that on that day. You know, you could have uh, bought her a very expensive piece of jewelry absolutely for the day you could have bought her a big flat screen tv instead of being there right which i'm sure she would have been excited about she would have been excited about it but it wouldn't have done what my presence did on that day 
And that's the important thing. So give the gift of your presence. I've heard it once said that your people, and again, when I'm talking about your people, I'm talking about the people that you influence. Uh, People will value what you value. So if you're not showing up to uh, staff celebrations, then obviously celebration in our company isn't important. If the boss isn't showing up or or team members aren't showing up to uh, certifications, well, then I guess certification really isn't all that important. The fact that we grow and educate and certify really isn't all that important. Why? The boss isn't here. Right. must not be that important. Your presence tell them what's important to your organization because, after all, again, you're the influencer. And so the buck stops with you. Mm. And so when you show up in any venue, then they know that that's important. That day, my daughter knew that the daughter and and father dance was incredibly important to me. And you know why? Because it was important to her. Wow. Wow. Very important. What else have you got for us? The next thing. So the first thing is to give the gift of your presence. The second is to pay attention. Oftentimes, we get way too busy. Right? And there's so many opportunity around us to create magic. There's so many opportunity around us to really show somebody that we care. We've got to pay attention. We've got to make sure that, that people really know that we're there for them. And so there's so many opportunities that we have all around us. And I can go through several stories about individuals that, again, by us paying attention, we saw that they were dealing with something difficult and we're there to make sure that we lend a hand. And so it's so important that you pay attention. Give us a story. I love these stories. Well, you know, I'll give you a great story. We we had one of our instructors who had a faulty hearing aid, and so she had difficult hearing. And so one day, one of our staff members, not even me, and again, you know, you, creating magic, everybody's got to own that. And so one of our staff members said to us, you know, this person, we're having difficulties. Um, how can we help? And so we all got together and make sure, and we all got together and uh, purchased a brand new state of the art earpiece and gave it to her just to be nice. Right? There was no occasion. It was just we saw an opportunity to be nice, and we saw an opportunity to care, and we cared. When she put them on, she heard things that she hadn't heard in 20 years, when 20 years. Right? When she came to work the next day, I can't even tell you what that day was like for her as she went around expressing how wonderful she feels and how valued she feels, and how grateful she is to have people that love her that way. Right? What do you think our productivity is going to be from oh here on out? <laughs> Incredible. Just pay attention. Pay attention. I was in business for only two years. Mm-hmm. I had a salon, and I had an employee who worked for me for those two years. Mm-hmm. Came to me one day and said, hey, when I need to speak with you privately. Mm-hmm. She said, I want you to know that I, for the last... 20 years have been in this very abusive mm-hmm. marriage, but because of working here in this salon, I now have the courage to divorce this man. Right. And I was like, huh? She's when, when I want you to know for, because of the last two years working here for the first time in years, I feel valued. I feel loved. I feel safe. And because of all of that, I now have the courage to leave this man. And that, 
taught me something because I thought that my only role as a business owner up until that point was just to provide a place for people to earn a paycheck. I had no idea that my responsibility of being an influencer right. was a lot more than that. And if you're not paying attention, there are people around you every single day who mm-hmm. suffer. Mm-hmm. Every day. In fact, they could be around you for the last 10 years and they're suffering every day for 10 years. And if you're not paying attention, you have no idea. Right. Absolutely. And when you validate people, you give people a sense of purpose, their confidence, their courage grows. And so a lot of things that that they might have put up with in the past, confidence and courage now move them out of very difficult situations in their lives. These are the things that you're talking about to engage their hearts. Mm -hmm. So maybe you've engaged their hands. You might have engaged their minds. Now you're engaging their hearts. Absolutely. Wow. So the first one, again, give the gift of your presence. The second is to pay attention. The third is lead from the heart. What do you mean by that? Lead from the heart. Learn how to give. Learn how to give back. Learn how to make sure that whatever you do come from a place of compassion. It's easy sometimes when you're dealing with difficult employees, difficult students, again, just to label them and to cast them aside and and to put them away. But a person who understands that their influence can be used for greater cause now will leave from the heart and will seek compassion and will see what's best in people and will act accordingly. When you give, it will come back to you in ways that's immeasurable. I had a great situation. Back in 2003, I completely lost the function of my kidneys. Matter of fact, I was in a boardroom. I was in a boardroom meeting in Minneapolis when I completely lost the function of my kidneys. Uh, My doctors were in um, Nashville, Tennessee at Vanderbilt University, and so I flew back home. When I got to the hospital, my creatinine level was at 21. At 21, a person should be dead, (laughs) right? And so my, my doctor says, how did you get here? I had no means of dialyzing, and so they had to immediately go through my juggler vein and to take my blood out and purify my blood And for the next five months, we had to go through that process every other day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Very excruciating process. I finally went on peritoneal dialysis. Now, my my sisters and brothers, they all got worked up to see if they can give me a kidney, but for medical reasons, they were not able to do so. So this was in 2003. In 2001, um, a friend of mine came to me and, and asked that I, I sit with his friend to talk with him about business, about, again, helping somebody else. And at the time, I was incredibly busy. I was a senior executive at a major corporation, and I didn't have the time, but he insisted. And so I said, okay, I will give this guy the gift of one hour. And since I've got to eat anyway, let's do it at lunch. And so we went out, and we had lunch. That one hour turned into two hours. Fast forward three years later, my, my kidney is completely shut down. I'm dialyzing every day. My brothers and sisters can't give me a kidney that gentleman that I met two years prior came to my home and he saw me that I'd lost a tremendous amount of weight and said, Dale, what's going on with you? And I told him nothing. And you know, my wife and I, we, we try to remain private with that, but he knew that there was something going on. And so he asked, could he go to the hospital and get worked up? Of course, I, d- I didn't believe that he was really going to do that. So I said, sure, you can go to Vanderbilt. Here's their information. He went in and when he was a five-point match. A five-point match, 
are for people who are relatives. Wow. Right? And somehow this gentleman was a complete match for me. In September of 2003, after two years prior giving this guy two hours of my time, he gave me my life back. Oh, my gosh. He sat on the table for them to take out his kidney and give that to me. If you understand anything about kidney transplant, the operation for the donor is much more difficult than for the recipient because you now you have got to go beyond their rib cage and take out. So I left the hospital before this gentleman. But all it took was me being nice and really acting from the heart and giving this guy two hours of my time and he gave me my life back. When you give, it will come back to you in ways that are completely immeasurable. And today, of course, he's the best friend. I've got his kidney, so I've got to be his best friend. But it's those kind of things that's so real, and we, and we find those stories every day. And I find it fortunate that I'm, I'm able to tell that story today just by acting in love. Right? And by giving, and when you give, it returns back to you. I love the quote from, from John Paul that says, success unshared is no success at all. Success unshared is failure. Yeah. Right? And when you know how to give, and when you give back, the world will give back to you. And the world certainly gave back to me in September of 2003. Talk about the law of attraction. Talk about... You Amazing. Know, putting it out there and it comes back to you. Boy, did it come back to you a oh, thousandfold. Wow. A thousandfold. Yeah. The quality of my life is better. You know, the longevity of my life is certain. It's just amazing. Again, but you act in love and, and you give. And when you do so, that stuff really comes back to your life. One of my mentors, Rita Davenport, would say that growing up, her dad was a, an auto mechanic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, driving anywhere, mm-hmm. if there was a car stalled on the side of the road, mm-hmm. he would always stop and help them. And, and she was like, Dad, do we always have to stop? And he says, yes, we do, because one of these days, you're going to be stranded on the side of the road, and someone's going to stop and help you. And she said, you know, and there was times that she was stranded on the side of the road, and all those people that her dad helped were nowhere to be found. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> but somebody else did but stop. Somebody else stopped. Somebody else stopped. Right. Because the universe will repay you. Mm-hmm. Right. The individual that you help, like in my case... You know, you may not get that person to come back and, and repay that back into your life. But the universe will respond to you when you give. You know, it's a law, and that law cannot be changed. It's the law of sowing and reaping. If we're talking about creating magic in your work environment, in your home environment, in your school, obviously you have some very specific things that people can do. You don't have to show up to work and give a kidney to create magic. Right. And it's supposed to be simple. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be daily. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Again, you can't be a jerk one day and create right. magic the next day mm-hmm. and think that your people are going to love mm-hmm. coming to work every single day. Right. And it's you know, some people say, well, we're going we're gonna to have fun mm-hmm. and create magic a week from Sunday at that picnic that we have planned. Right. <laughs> right. No, well, what about today? And what about tomorrow? And right. what about this morning? What about this afternoon? What about tonight? Mm-hmm. And what I did yesterday doesn't necessarily make up for the fact that I haven't created magic today. And so it is this consistency that we have to create. Right. And, you know, corporate America, or, or not just corporate America, why am I picking on them? But, you know, somebody can show up to work a hundred times on time. Right. 
and nobody says a thing about it. Mm-hmm. They show up late one time, and boy, we let them have it. Right. We, we write them up, and that's the behavior that we mm-hmm. acknowledge. That's the behavior that we point to. Right. And, of course, what, what you focus on starts to grow. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, earlier we, we talked about uh, making sure that you're paying attention. A part of paying attention is also to recognize what you see that's good. A, a lot of times, whether it's corporate world or wherever, people do not understand the power of recognition, the power of just saying thank you, the power of saying, wow, that was an amazing job that you did yesterday or today or a moment ago, right? Recognition causes people to soar. And so oftentimes we think that creating magic is you know, donating a kidney or or doing something incredibly expensive. Nobody in my salon needs a new hearing aid, so I have no idea what to do. Right. You know, it, simply recognizing what people do every day is so enormously important. It gives them a sense of value. And this is value in people. When I say thank you to somebody for doing X, Y, Z, I am telling them I value what you have just done. That will get them soaring as an eagle because now, remember again, you're the influencer. And when the influencer says thank you, think about what that means to that individual, right? And it didn't cost you a thing. It didn't cost you a dime, but now you have created magic. I have heard bosses say, I'm not going to thank them for cleaning their station. That's their job, too. Mm -hmm. Why do I have to thank them to do that? If if you want a behavior to continue, then you keep recognizing that behavior. If you don't recognize what people are doing, what's good and what's purposeful in your business, then you will create the negative effect because over time people will keep going through the grind right but this isn't important to you remember you show up and you celebrate what's what's important to you as a leader right so if they're going through it every single day and you you never celebrate you never recognize then all of a sudden they will start thinking in their mind perhaps this might not be the most important thing for me to do Mm -hmm. right i've heard you say that that is, it's not just about you. It's not just your responsibility right. or your wife Kimberlyn's responsibility to create this magic. That this is something it has to trickle down from you and you, right. and this becomes a behavior of right. your entire staff. And I think you told me once that you'll stand out in front of the door, in front of the school, and, right. you'll, and it's your your turn that day, right. that week, to hug everybody that comes in the building. Right. But that you take turns with the staff. Can you tell absolutely? Us about that? There are days when the staff or myself will just go out. And we'll just greet the future professionals that are coming in. We'll just hug them, tell them that, um, you know, we thank them for, for coming in today. It's great to see you. I hope you have an amazing day. All of those affirming things. Again, it doesn't take much of your time to do it. But what a beautiful environment you have just created by doing just Basic that. Basic human need to feel praised, acknowledged. Acceptance. Absolutely. You're doing a good job. Absolutely. It's right up there with oxygen, I heard it once. <laughs> That's <said>. exactly right. <laughs> and, and and if you want to breathe, you also want to be recognized. Wow. Right? And so again, if you want people to be productive, if you want people to really create an amazing environment around you, then as a leader, learn how to recognize 
learn how to praise, learn how to celebrate what's good in people, mm. right? And when you do, those things will again happen. Again, they'll happen because people will repeat what you celebrate. People will repeat what you recognize. And so if you want something to be repeated, recognize it, celebrate it, and it'll always be repeated. Give us some more specific examples of things that you do that would incorporate all of this. Again, that you're creating magic, that you yourself are present and Mm -hmm. showing up, that you're paying attention. And there's obviously, we don't just talk philosophically about this stuff. You know, you have to do something. So what are some of the other things that you do? Well, you know, it was amazing. On last week, I called one of uh, our ministers at our church, and I simply just told him, I just want to call you and tell you how blessed I am that you're in my life. And how grateful I am for all the things that you're doing at our church. And that was it. And and so I was like, okay, have a great day. And he was like, is that it? I says, yeah, that's I'm it. Fired. Yeah. You know, I right. says, no, that's it. That's all I wanted to say was how amazing you are. And I appreciate that you're a part of my life. Wow. Right? And, and I guarantee you, now I don't follow up to find out, okay, how he responded, how he reacted to that. I know how he's going to react to it. Right. Because I know if somebody did that to me, how I would react to it. And, and it's really, it really comes down to you know how you would react right. if somebody tell you, you know, something as wonderful as that. right? And so you give what you want to receive in your life. And you were doing it out of your own self-interest as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. You felt good. That's exa- I felt great. I, I tell you, that day, I, actually I was driving from Louisville to Nashville, and I felt great for the entire mm-hmm. trip. Yeah. And I was wondering, uh, was he sitting down or was he standing up at the time that I mm-hmm. called? Mm-hmm. Right? But I needed to create that magic in his life. What else do you do? You know, again, for my own family, and, and it's important that even as leaders and executives, teachers, principals, that we don't just create this for the outside world, but that we bring that at home. Love always begins at home. And so it's important for even my children to know, you know, that I accept and I love and I care for them. You know, DJ, my son, he had a birthday and wasn't certain if I was going to get home in time or not for the birthday. And so I told my wife not to tell him that I'm going to be there because I'm not certain if I'm going to get out of the meeting in time. But I really wanted to be there. Now I had to call my boss and tell him that I was going to cut my trip short. And I got home just in time. And I called him because I was now in the basement of of the house. And I told him prior to, to that day that I don't want you to blow out the candles until I get home. Okay, or until I call you. And so if I don't get home and I call you, then then I'll have that experience with you. I was in the basement when I called him and I says, "Okay, Dale, it's time for you to blow out the candles. Right. And I want you to wish for something. And he said, "Okay, I've wished. I said, great. Tell me what you wish for. He says, I can't do that because I I might not get it. Now, we had bought all of the things that we knew that he wanted. So I thought perhaps he'll name one of those wonderful gifts. And uh, I said, no, tell me what you wish for. He says, I wish you were here. And then I walked upstairs. I almost could make it when walking upstairs. And his back was turned. He was about to blow out the candle. And I told him, turn around, DJ. And he looked, and there was Daddy. Again, you've got to do that not only for the people that's outside, but your family have got to feel 
that same love, and that same caring from you. It's got to be something in your life that's habit-forming. And again, when you live a life of meekness, then, you know, again, if you've lived my kind of life, if you've grown up the way that I've grown up, you know, very poor, right, and um, had all kinds of difficulties in my life, I had a speech impediment that I needed to overcome. I had an accent that I needed to overcome, right? I was homeless at one time when I was in college because my father didn't approve of my religion. When I decided to break away from my father's religion, I was homeless for about three years because I decided to walk away from my father's religion and to join a different denomination. And so that got me excommunicated from the church and also from home. And so for three years, I couldn't go home. And so all of those things are part of my life. And so when I deal with people, whether it's religiously or at work or in any situations, all I have to do is reflect back on my personal life and my personal struggles in life. Then I can see people for who they are and see them for the greatness that's in them, but they just need somebody to help them. They, they need somebody to create a platform where they can grow and blossom. Somebody did that for me. And so for the rest of my life, when I'm going to spend the rest of my days doing the same thing for somebody else. Because I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I am not free from issues in my life. I've got them, right? But the way I survive is through love. Me giving it, people giving it back to me. Somebody give me a kidney, that's love. <laughs> that's incredible love, right? And so when I experience that, I have to give back the same. And so I spend no time judging people. I spend no time criticizing other people based on, on any kind of situations they may have in their life. My job is to love them because that's God's mandate for my life is for me to love. And God is love. And so if I say that God is in me, then love is in me, then I ought to love. And you can't keep that from the other areas of your life, including work. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not discriminatory. Yeah, that was always confusing for me. So I'm right. supposed to leave my soul at home when I right. go to work. Right. Right. But that never made sense to me. You, you can't. Yeah. You know, the love that you have inside you, it goes with you everywhere. And so you cannot discriminate in your love relationship. That love is going to come out wherever you are. You've talked about the, the purpose, the promise of creating magic and creating this environment where people feel safe, they feel loved, they feel cared for. And by doing so, you bring out the best in them. Profits go up, creativity goes up, absenteeism goes down. You engage their hands, their, their minds, and their hearts. And this last area is the, the power. power. Absolutely. The power is the realization of a dream. Right? And so when you create magic, the power of that is that you create people who have now blossomed and have grown into something that they really had on the inside of them all along. 
I love the Susan Boyle story. Oh, yeah. What an incredible story of this woman coming. Was that from Britain's Yes, absolutely. Uh, Completely bursting on the scene. Here's this woman, kind of frumpy lady uh, that was very, very unassuming to the crowd. The crowd expected a thing to come out of her. The crowd was was kind of snickering and uh, somewhat jeering. But when she opened her mouth, something just magnificent came out. Somebody gave her the platform. Somebody gave her the opportunity to realize her dream. That's what creating magic is all about. We have that opportunity because we've got Susan Boyles all around us. In our school, in our churches, in our home, there's Susan Boyles all around us. The question is, are you creating an environment for them to grow? and to blossom, and to be all that they are potentially able to be. Are you creating that? Mm-hmm. And that's what you're here for. And so religion, God, all of those kind of things, you know, it's really about creating magic in other people's lives. Right? If we were speaking to the business mind of people, and again, the business mind, you know, we're for profit. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, statistically... Salons are going to lose about 40% of their staff over the next 10 years because they're baby boomers and they're retiring. And that next generation to come in and take their place is this millennial generation born after 1980. It's the largest generation that's ever hit the U.S. population, Mm -hmm. over 100 million strong. Right. And, you know, they're very clued into this. Right. And they want to get there quicker. They want to get there faster. And they were taught to feel valued. Right. They want to walk into a place and they want to be a part of something that that is uh, making them feel valued and loved and safe. Right. We love this industry. This is not a nine to five job. Right. I've, I've been to dinner with hairdressers. They're mm-hmm. like redesigning the hair of all the waitresses in the restaurant. You know, right. they, they can't let it go. They can't turn it off because we love what we do. We're going to work a lot. Right. And because we work a lot, we need to be in environments where we feel loved, where we feel safe and where we feel uh, like we matter, like mm-hmm. we make a difference. And that's not just the responsibility of the boss or the owner or whoever's name is on the building, whoever's name is on the lease. It's the responsibility of every single person that's mm-hmm. listening to this. Absolutely. And, and if you really think about it, most of those individuals, the millennium generation, they will choose where, where they decide to work based on your culture. Yeah. Whether you believe it or not, they will choose to stay or leave based on your culture because they don't have to, right? They don't have to stay someplace where they don't feel valued all through their lives. Their parents was the Generation X folks. You know, it's the baby on board kind of sticker, you know, very protective, very valued, Mm -hmm. right? Now they want to go someplace where they feel the same. And if bosses think that they're going to get the millennium generation to work for them by treating them, you know, with disrespect and, and the way that traditional bosses might have treated them, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. This generation are going to be incredibly productive, but they're not going to take what our forefathers might have taken in the workplace. Right? And so we've got to figure out how to embrace and to keep this next generation. And so for salon owners out there, they really do have to reinvent or re-engineer their environment. 
win. And by the way, everything that this generation wants mm-hmm. are the things that we want as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you can be 60 years old and you want to feel valued. Right. You want to feel like your opinion matters. Right. Yeah. Right. And so for those locations that are going to be incredibly successful over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years are going to be those locations where the boss and those people in there that are influencers, they need to understand that they have got to create this culture, mm-hmm. creating magic, valuing, praising, recognizing people. And when they do, they will get this incredibly productive group of young people that will make their business literally rock. Del, do you have a final message for our listeners? My final message is, you know, for every individual out there, uh, to love is a choice that we make every single day. All of us need it. You need it. I need it. Just to be loved. If you want to be loved, show love. You get what you give. And so when you give love, it always come back to you. If you want friends, then show yourself friendly. Right? And that's such a powerful, powerful theme for the educators out there, for the business owner, pastors, all of those individuals out there. It's about valuing what's best in people. It's about reaching into people's lives and bringing out their greatness. You have the power to do that. You have the power to influence them positively every single day. Be aware of the emotional weight that you leave behind and make sure that it's a positive one in every interaction that you have with people. What an incredible message and timely for all of us now. I think too many people are focusing on what they no longer have, you know, that there's a change in the economy and so maybe your credit cards are maxed out, but is your love maxed out? Is your, your creativity overdrawn? Right, right. Or your, is your passion at right. its limit? Right. You know, so maybe you don't have the line of credit, but you still have love, right. passion, and creativity to give. And you still have wonderful families, yeah. whether they're your immediate family or your extended family. Mm. Whether it's at work, at church, and you have what matters the most. Mm. And when you accept what matters the most, then what you have in your life will literally return rewards in your life that's beyond your wildest imagination. Perfect. I knew it would be this way. Thank you. Thanks, Dale. Thank you. 